Hey everyone, welcome to Danny Chats. This is episode number 31 and today I'm joined by Caroline. Uh, Caroline is uh, a Wilson's disease patient like I was um, and we're just going to have a little chat about her story. Hi Caroline, how are you? Hi, I'm great. Nice to talk to you. Nice to talk to you, nice to meet you. So you're calling, where are you calling from? I am in Champaign-Urbana, Illinois. Illinois, Champaign, so lots of champagne there then. Uh, well, I wish, but no, not that I could have it anyway, but no, um, <laughs> no, it's like I'm at the University of Illinois. Okay, that's exciting. That's good. So um, do you want to tell me a bit about your Wilson's disease story? So how, you know, how you became diagnosed? Um, yeah, so um, unfortunately, I have kind of a tragic story, but um, when I was, I have, I had a twin sister. And when I was, uh, we were 19, uh, she kind of started presenting with like just serious symptoms. Like uh, she couldn't get out of bed. She was super tired. She was, you know, I don't know, peeing brown and things like that. And so, you know, we encouraged her to um, go to her health center because we were freshmen in college. and. Um, you know, going to the health center when you're a college freshman is kind of a new thing. You know, you're used to going to the doctor at home and um, they weren't really sure what to make of her and her symptoms. They thought maybe she had hepatitis or mono or both. And so they sent her home and she just became so sick that my mom, who was a nurse, decided to come get her. And um when they brought her to the hospital at home, they also weren't sure what it was and sent her back home and said, well, with hepatitis, it'll get worse before it gets better. And then everything just kind of went downhill from there. She went to the emergency room by ambulance and a doctor there happened to recognize that she was in desperate need of a liver transplant. So they transferred her to UCSF um, I'm from California originally, so this was all happening in California. Yeah. And, um, you know, UCSF is a fantastic hospital. It's just fantastic. Um, but they had no idea what was going on with her. So this was 1992. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, they, they, because we were twins, you know, they were looking at me like, well, how come nothing's wrong with her, you know, so maybe that won't give us any answers about what's wrong with the other one. And um, they were asking me all sorts of questions about her, like, does she do drugs? Does she? I'm like, no, no, I don't know what's going on, you know. Um, so unfortunately, uh, they weren't able to do anything. They, She was on a liver transplant list, like, in every neighboring state and just it just didn't happen so she passed away in the hospital um i That's remember the doctor sad. yeah it's it was terrible it was yeah. it's like terrible um but i remember the doctor coming out of the icu room crying you know she just was they were so frustrated that they didn't know what it was yeah. so um they did an autopsy and you know of course discovered that she had a liver full of copper. So um, that of course spurred an automatic concern about me. So yeah. that's when I began my treatment. 
Yeah. So, so they tested you for Wilson's after that, and yes, then put you on the medication. Yes, they tested me for Wilson's. Um, I was in school at UC Davis, which is about an hour north of um, San Francisco. Um, so I started my treatment at uh, the UC Davis Medical Center, which was, you know, I'm I'm fortunate to be always near these medical centers, <laughs> you know, yeah. um, but. Uh, I was quite rare for them. I mean, you know, I had the usual thing where you go to your doctor's appointment and 10 residents come in and just want to like look at you. And um, yeah. because I was asymptomatic, they just looked really confused and everybody wanted to look in my eyes and feel my yeah. liver. And I, Mary and I, my sister's name was Mary. Mary and I did not have Kaiser Fleischer rings. Um, the only symptom we had and we were going to investigate this but we were waiting until our 19th birthday so we were 19 when she passed um we had really really irregular menstrual periods yeah and um we couldn't figure it out and the thing is is when you're a twin and something is happening to you and happening to your twin you think this is normal because it's happening to both of us. Yeah, yeah. You know, but in fact, it was not normal. And, um, you know, after I started my treatment for Wilson's disease, all of that straightened out. So, oh, really? um, yeah. 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 I'm, I mean, not many uh, ladies that I've interviewed on her or chatted to have mentioned that, but that might be a common thing for Wilson's disease patients. Um, yeah. Well, the other thing I'll mention related to, um, women's health is um, because I my periods were so irregular. My um, doctor wanted to try birth control to regulate my yeah. um, period, and I had terrible reactions to this. Terrible. My sister didn't do it. Yeah. I, I was like, okay, I'll try it. You know, um, one of us was kind of <laughs> the guinea pig from take turns. <laughs> you know, I'll try it, and um, I had the worst cramping i don't it, the, the iron in the uh, birth control did not agree with me no. so um i stopped that but it didn't probe further um yeah. yeah so so the interesting thing for me is you were asymptomatic so when they did your sort of tests and stuff there was a normal copper level no no I, no no uh, I, you know, I often wonder how far behind my sister was I? Yeah, that's it. Um, she she just tended to get everything worse. Um, I've heard you mention nosebleeds um, in yeah. some of your previous podcasts, and she had her nose cauterized when we were young. I um, and I didn't have that. Um, seemed like when we got sick, she'd get a little sicker, you know? So yeah. I, I just often wonder where was I in the process of heading toward um, liver failure? I don't think I was ever that as close as her because, you know, I had a biopsy um, and I had some cirrhosis, but I mean, nothing like her. Yeah. So that's just such a weird thing. It was hard for me to wrap my head around, but yeah. So I started on penicillamine. Okay, that's yeah, because a lot of uh, people in America have, is it, triatine? 
Yeah, I don't know why they started me on that. Um, I don't know. I don't know why. I don't even remember discussing triantine. Um, yeah. But I did eventually take that too. Um, but the penicillamine, I when I started it, um, well, I mean, I think it's worth mentioning that I was really depressed. So I had, um, you know, I think my immune system was not the most fantastic, but I kind of developed these little sores on my fingers and then yeah. I lost my taste. And then my doctor told me to take zinc to deal with the taste. Yeah. So I did that. And my taste came back. It was six weeks of no taste, though, which was. That's not good, is it? No, it's terrible. Yeah. It was terrible. I mean. So how, how soon after you started taking the penicillamine did that sort of start happening to you? Well, it was within that same year. I went back to school. Um, my sister passed away over spring break, my spring break. And so I went back to school on a reduced course load. And I was definitely at school when all that was happening. So um, not too long after. Um, yeah, yeah that's, that's interesting. I've not had anyone uh, have that as a side effect or not that they've mentioned. And because uh, I was on zinc as well, but I thought that was mainly to help with the copper levels, uh, but I couldn't stomach the zinc. So I had to, I sort of ended up saying that I don't want to be on that anymore, which was fine. Yeah, well, the zinc I was taking for the taste was a much lower dose than you would take as a treatment for um, Wilson's disease. Yeah. Um, when I tried zinc later, this is getting down the road, but in my first pregnancy, I tried to switch to zinc and I could not tolerate it. Yeah. I mean, just kind of fast forwarding. I now take zinc and um, I take the glucin, the zinc gluconate. Yeah. Um, and that is fine. But that zinc acetate, not my friend. No. Yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. And then so apart from the, the, the no taste and the sore fingers, has everything been sort of pretty stable health wise? Well, yes, except for when um, the big transitions in my Wilson's disease have happened following pregnancy. So, yeah. um, for example, when I was pregnant with my first son, I had actually great pregnancies, you know, no problems. Yeah. Um, it's a little complicated with the vitamins you're supposed to take and all that, but, um, but I really did fine um but afterward um i don't know i guess this wasn't well first of all when i had my son i was in a hospital um that i will not mention and because <laughs> i i'm gonna throw them under the bus a little bit here but um my doctor was out of town and i was on um pitocin um to try to induce uh, my delivery because I kind of had stalled out with my labor and um, I, it was a it was terrible. They did some blood test on me that showed I had low platelets and the doctors who were there standing in for my doctor, who was I think at a conference, had no idea what they were dealing with. And I yeah. remember them doing internet searches on low platelets and Wilson's disease because they were wondering if they could still give me an epidural. Yeah. And I was thinking, oh my gosh, please give me that epidural. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what I, I, my whole, 
vision for this is I get drugs, you know. So. Yeah, that's going to help. <laughs> yeah. That's interesting um, about the low platelets is I had that as well. And I, uh, obviously I've not had a pregnancy, so I've not thought about how that would affect through that. But yeah, that's very interesting. Yeah, there is at some point if they're low enough, they won't do that. But they did give it to me. I was right on the borderline, but I had terrible, a terrible pregnancy, a terrible delivery with my son. Um, and, you know, after that, I guess the other thing I would mention, I was really nervous during my first pregnancy with taking penicillamine because nobody could really tell me how will this affect the baby? Yeah. And, you know, I just was so nervous about it. And at some point I was trying to, while pregnant, wean off of penicillamine and do the zinc, which was terrible because I had to have an empty stomach like five times a day yeah. when you're pregnant is really like Not uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> you're hungry, you know. Um, and I gave up on that. So um, my son did have um, language delays and language processing problems. Um, and I have no idea if that was related to the penicillamine. You know, I can't say one causes the other at all, but it made me nervous. So when yeah. I had my, when I was pregnant with my daughter, I was non-compliant. I did not take my penicillamine because I was just afraid of, yeah. yeah. Not the best decision, but um, that's very, very interesting though. Because uh, recently I've done a few studies for sort of pharmaceutical companies and just asking questions. Um, and obviously, they've never asked me, they asked me about gene therapy for Wilson's disease the other day. And you know, would I feel comfortable if I had Wilson's disease trying it out? And you know, some people are skeptical and stuff, but they never um, mentioned to me, obviously, about you know, how would you feel if you were pregnant taking these, these medications? And maybe, you know, there does need to be some more research into what what the effects are and just to just to put people's minds at rest, because, you know, you obviously know that not taking it's dangerous for your health as well. So that's interesting. Yeah. Well, and here's another thing. I when I was pregnant with my daughter, um, she um, the doctor I had, it was a different doctor, different hospital, great hospital, but you know, um, I was always kind of considered high risk in pregnancy, even though I have, I mean, you would never look at me and think I'm a high risk yeah. person, you know, so, but because of the Wilsons, they considered me high risk. And I had said to um, my doctor, I think maybe we should just document everything. And, you know, you could, we could publish a case study or yeah. something. And he's like, oh, it uh, really wouldn't mean anything. It's just one person. And I'm like, yeah, that's why it's a case study. So, yeah. you know, <laughs> okay. I, he wasn't interested. And, and I expressed concern about the penicillamine. And I feel like people had told me, I, I don't know if I'm remembering this correctly, but I feel like they had told me, oh, the baby will absorb the copper. And I think I let myself believe that when I was non-compliant with my penicillamine. But after my daughter was born, two terrible things happened. So my pregnancies are fine. It's after I, you know, have yeah. the baby that, and I, and my body, I think, is recalibrating. It doesn't, didn't respond well. Um, the first thing is I started taking my penicillamine again, and 
I did not tolerate it. I was really? coughing and coughing and coughing and coughing, could not figure out why am I coughing? They gave me everything you could possibly give a person to end a cough and nothing would work. And I remember laying on the couch and you know, my daughter was nearby and I'm just thinking about this coughing and I remembered reading the penicillin insert, you know, cause I'm one of those people who like reads the insert yeah. for the, <laughs> I, I used to be like that but then reading them is always really scary because there's always a ton of side effects you're like okay I'm just gonna forget all of that now well in this case I was super glad because yeah. um I you know I literally bolted up off the couch went to the internet looked up the insert and saw that if you have prolonged unexplained coughing you should stop this medication yeah so I did and that's when I started on trientine there you go. That is um, the importance of reading your medication <laughs> and not ignoring it like I do sometimes. Yeah. The other thing that happened is my thyroid, I had a, went totally out of whack. Yeah. I just sometimes really, really wish I had more of a holistic medicine where they could tell me, how is the thyroid related to the liver? You know, how does this all work? I don't, I don't know. Like, yeah. I would like to know that one isn't impacting the other. Um, so anyway, I got treated for my thyroid and things started to straighten out. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's really, really interesting stuff. And then, um, you know, if you don't want to answer if it's too intrusive, but did you have like your husband tested before to see if he was a carrier or your partner tested? Is that something that you thought about? Um, I didn't. We didn't have him tested. Um, I did have my kids tested when yeah, they were yeah. like, you know pretty young um but i think i was kind of hell-bent on having kids so yeah. i mean it, it would have been fine to know i mean that would have been helpful to know but you know it just just didn't seem like a lot of people valued that or thought that was a good thing to do i mean i couldn't even get my um pregnancy doctor i can't think of the name now um gynecologist not a gynecologist obstetrician mm. to yeah. um <laughs> to you know take more of an interest other than kind of tracking my my pregnancy you know yeah. and and so i i really didn't pursue it mm -mm. no i mean i only really asked because i have seen a few discussions on like transplant uh wilson's disease forums and stuff and uh some people have kind of been put off of having children and i think that's very sad because um, you know, everyone I speak to that's that's alive that's got Wilson's disease is generally living a very good life. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, I, I think if you want kids, then that shouldn't stop you. Yes, I agree. I, my member, some of my family members were kind of concerned, you know, would I be able to have children? And I re one time I went to a Wilson's disease, um, like a conference. Um, and I was on this bus going from one event to the other and the woman ahead of me was talking about her problems with conceiving. And I, I kind of thought, oh gosh, I wonder if that's gonna happen. I had no problem yeah. getting pregnant. And and I'm glad that I, I'm for me, it was the right choice to just go ahead and, and do it. I was quite determined to have a child that I could name after my sister. So I was, yeah not giving up so after I had my son I 
regardless of what happened during his delivery, which was pretty traumatic, I I thought, well, I'm going to give it another go. Yeah. yeah. Got to get my, my Mary. Yeah. <laughs> How old are your children now? My son is 18. He's a freshman in college. Oh, and wow. my daughter is 15. She's a, almost 16. She's a junior in high school. That's so lovely to hear. Yeah. So it, yeah, they and they're great. They're awesome. I mean, I, you know, my sister, uh, my my sister, my daughter asked me one time, "How did you get, um, how did you get through losing your sister?" Um, we were on a walk, and I said, "Well, at first it was debilitating. You know, it was really hard. I could not even imagine my future." without my sister. I mean, there was just no future without her in my mind. Um, but I said, if I hadn't pushed through, I wouldn't have met your dad. You have to let, you have to let love in your life and yeah. then you wouldn't have come. And I have, I have so many people to love, you know, it's not a replacement by any means, but it is important. It was important for me to make those kind of connections yeah. again. Yeah. That's brilliant to hear, Caroline. You're uh, a very inspirational person. <laughs> Thanks. That's great. Yeah. And I'm sure, you know, there'll be lots of people listening to this that can relate in some way to your story. And like I say, there's not been, I've talked to quite a few ladies, but there's not been someone that's sort of gone through their pregnancy as openly. So it's nice. And I think it would be really helpful. Yeah, good. I'm glad. Thank you. Um, I will say that I did eventually come off of um, Trientine because I had a new doctor yeah. here and um, I I worship the ground my doctor walks on. Let me just say that. I just yeah. love him. He's always been just genuinely concerned about me and interested in me um, and, my, and my Wilsons. Like, not like I'm a specimen, but he just really cares about me, you know? Um, and so he said, oh, you know, we got to get you off of this triantine. Zinc is, zinc is the thing you should be taking. He called other specialists. Like he just really put a lot of thought into thinking about what was best for me. Yeah. So I was willing to try the zinc again because um, I, I really didn't like it the first time. Um, and it was a little rough, but then I learned about the glucin. My dad's a pharmacist, you yeah. know, so I was like, what's the difference between this acetate and gluconate, you know? And he said, it should be exactly the same thing. Then I heard about the um, glucin that you could um, order online um, from one of the Wilson support pages, you know, yeah. um, I can't remember the name of the guy who is affiliated with the company, but he kind of made a little announcement on there about the glues in. So I tried that and I love that stuff. Yeah. I mean, it just, it does not bother me at all. So what's that then? Is that like a liquid or is it a, a tablet? No, it's a tablet. It's, yeah. um, it's just, the, I don't know how else to say it except that it's, well, this company, it's Extreme V is the name of the company, I believe. Um, they, I think their message is that this, uh, zinc that they produce is much higher quality than you yeah. might get if you're like buying it off the shelf. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so um, 
but for however it's made, it just it just feels good to me. So um, now the only problem is remembering to take it three times a day. I so. doubt it is three times a day. Funny enough, I did a post on my Instagram yesterday or the day before about uh, remembering to take your, your tablets. Because I'm obviously a transplant patient now, so but I still have to take tablets every day. Uh-huh. And I think everyone's forgot at some point. Um, it's just natural, isn't it? But it's just remembering to take that next dose on time. Yes. The one I really struggle with is the one in the middle of the day. Yeah. Because I get caught up in what I'm doing and I, I've tried everything. I mean, I get timers and I get little pill cases that I carry. I, it's just hard. It's very yeah. hard. Yeah. yeah. But the one at the, you know, in the evening and the one in the morning, I got that down. Yeah. <laughs> And um, there's a big thing in America, obviously, is like the cost of Wilson's disease uh, medication. How does that zinc compare to, say, penicillamine or the uh, triatine? Oh, my gosh. That's a completely different ballpark. Um, when I first started taking the penicillamine, I, I didn't, I don't think I paid for it. I mean, my... I don't think I paid for it. I was on my parents' insurance, and I don't know what kind of insurance they had, but it was it was not anything you would complain about. Eventually, I had to go off of their insurance, and I was on student insurance because I was in grad school. I almost died. I mean, I had to pay like I, I, I'm a student, right? I got like no money, $150 a month for this yeah. penicillamine, um, and I don't know. I it doesn't seem like a lot because I know now people pay th- have to pay thousands of dollars for this, but at the time it was more than I could afford. And fortunately, I've always had a lot of support from my family, so they're, yeah. you know, I, I I have a lot of resources, which I'm very privileged and fortunate to have these resources. Um, but when I went to the Trientine, I remember picking it up from the pharmacy. And you know, you get that form that says what you saved and what your insurance covered and, and, right. and what they didn't cover. And I could not believe it. I think I paid my copay was like maybe $40. Um, but it was like $15,000 or something. Yeah, pop out of your head. It was crazy. Yes. I thought, oh my gosh, what do people do? Yeah. What do they do? I mean, you need it to survive yeah. it's not like yeah. you have an option so yeah that that always blows me away but the zinc the glucin is like it's very affordable you know i think twenty dollars for a i don't know how many tablets are in a bottle i can't remember now maybe 60. it's just it's not that much for how well i um receive it yeah. I've heard the coupons. So I, I I think I missed that boat. I didn't <laughs> do the coupons, but um, it's affordable. Is the point? It's yeah. Yeah. So um, anyone listening? I mean, obviously the best thing to do is contact your your team and speak to them about it. Yes. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I know some people are on penicillin forever and ever, um, and they tolerate it well. Um, my doctor was really not crazy about that idea. Um, I had um, no adverse effects from it that I kind of knew of. Um, obviously, yeah. I didn't go through a pregnancy, so there's not that side of it. But yeah, um, I didn't have any adverse effects from what I could sort of tell. Yeah. 
I don't think I would have had adverse effects from penicillamine had I been compliant. Yeah. When you go off of it and then go back on it, that you run the risk of not tolerating it. My doctors told me that when I was 19. Yeah. And I was a very nice doctor when I was 19. Um, and he would say, now never go off your medication. Um, you know, talk to me about the importance of being compliant, that if I go off and then I have to go back on, there's no guarantee it'll still, you know, still be able to tolerate it. I took that very seriously, but I think I, I don't know, maybe a maternal instinct. I cared more about, I don't know, my daughter mm -hmm. than I did myself, which is probably not great, you know. Supposed to put your own mask on first, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so. you, uh, you did what you felt was right, I suppose, and you know that's important. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, cool. yeah so so far so good. Um, I'm trying to think of some other things that um, have been relevant. How about like traveling and stuff like that? Have you, you know, been happy to fly and do things and, you know, basically carry on pretty, pretty standard? Yes. I, well, I have flown because my dad lives in uh, California still and um, my mom passed away a few years ago. So I like to go see my dad and um, I did fly and I don't think it's it was the best again this is me listening to my gut rather than my brain you know but um i i i don't know it's important to me to see him but i do i have said to my um i have another sister who's four years younger than me um i have said to her i don't know i have a feeling like this covid thing would not it would uh, maybe it would be the straw that breaks the camel's back or something because I've been nervous about flying because yeah. of that, you know, because um, I have, I have a lot of things, you know, I have the Wilsons and I have the thyroid thing. And I recently have discovered I have osteopenia and osteoporosis in some areas of my spine. And I don't know how that plays into anything. Um, what else? I don't know. I just got a lot of things. And yeah. um you know, how much can I really ask of my body? Yeah, yeah. I really don't want COVID. <laughs> but pre-COVID, you were fine, happy sort of traveling about and stuff? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, yeah I've lived a really um, normal life, uh, really normal. Yeah, yeah I, I think there's a big difference, isn't there, like before COVID and after COVID. It has actually changed the world and changed, you know, the things that we do and what we're more cautious about. I think I did not realize how easy it was to catch stuff from people until yeah. you know like i kind of took it for granted and some years i get my flu shots some years i don't i'm feeling really differently about that now yeah. you know i feel like i need to protect myself in fact i have made some decisions that were not popular um to protect myself like when we first went um uh into quarantine with COVID here I had a trip planned with some friends and I decided not to go because at that yeah. time we didn't even know how to, we, there was no way to know who had it. Right. Yeah. And, um, my husband and I decided it was not, we couldn't risk it. And I think sometimes when you have these kinds of diseases, you just are a little more cautious. Definitely. You know? Definitely. So, 
I um, had a recent trip to the hospital and I have to get the train from mine into London. Uh, and getting the train there was fine. There wasn't really any people on there or anything. But then on the way back, it, we, we, there was just me and this one other lad. He was sat right down one end. I was up the other and we didn't have our masks on. And then all of a sudden the train got busy and I sort of like shuffled down and put my mask on. I looked up and he'd done the same down the <laughs> other end. And, you know, like I think just even sort of like I was saying to myself, I think standardly, like I feel safer because there was a guy that was definitely sneezing. So he either had the flu or something. So like, you know, like you say, now you're more conscious to all of that sort of stuff. Yeah, I wonder what the threshold is, right? Like two people on the train, maybe I won't put my mask on. Five people, maybe I will put my mask yeah. on. Like we have this kind of, I don't know, threshold, maybe unconscious threshold when we feel safe. I was at a football game here at the university and I that was the first time I'd been around so many people. It was outside. Yeah. But I was, I I had to go. I just... I thought, no, it's too many people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I um, sort of work at like do quite a lot of music events and stuff. And I I held an event near Christmas time, uh, and we all got COVID. Everybody that went there basically. Uh, so it was like a big COVID party. But luckily, no one had any bad symptoms. Oh, I spent good. Christmas Day at home on my own in my flat because you know I knew the risk Aww. I was kind of taking. But um, yeah, and luckily I was okay. Uh, and then recently yeah, I've been, been to festivals again and it's, I've, I felt quite safe though. I feel all right at the moment. That's great. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. You know, I think there are a lot of um, people who do fine, you know, they, they recover fine. But I'm considering, you know, you're a transplant patient. I'm really glad that you came out okay. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was a risk that I kind of took, and I knew I was taking a risk. And when I got COVID, I was like, you know, I hope this doesn't get any worse than what it was. <laughs> I literally just felt a bit of a flu, uh, but and I had, you know, I knew I was like, I kind of blame myself a bit, but at the same time, I was like, I was, you know, for my mental health, I needed to get out and do something because I'd spent so long doing nothing, and it was kind of like uh, the events I run. It's something that I've been working on for so long. It just felt like it had all been taken away in a way. So. Yeah, it was a balance between my mental health and my physical health. And luckily, uh, I came out on top. Yeah, I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely changed things. But yeah. I think the future's looking bright. Have you had your jabs? Oh, yes, 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 yes. Right away. When um, they were, you know how they had, they staggered who could get the vaccine. So they, um, were giving it to people over a certain age and then they were giving it to people who were otherwise vulnerable and so of course i contacted my doctor am i in this category you know he's like nope you're not in that category so i i waited my turn but yeah i definitely got them right away it's funny how they thought you were high risk pregnancy but not high risk when it comes to <laughs> a, a pandemic flu right i don't know why how they make those decisions i guess different biological mechanisms yeah but, it's, yeah. but you had it that's good so the future's looking looking bright i think the future looks really bright there's a lot of um developments happening with wilson's disease um yeah i mentioned the gene therapy earlier have you seen anything from that um i haven't but i haven't like sought it out either i yeah. i don't i'm trying to figure out like how I would feel about it. Interestingly, that that Wilson's disease conference thing I mentioned that I went to years ago before I was married and had kids, they were talking about it then. 
Yeah. Um, I remember them talking about the idea that you could change the way the cells, the, the protein in the cells. And I thought, wow, that would be incredible. That's awesome. But, you know, all these years later, now it looks like something's actually happening. Um, yeah. I've seen them uh, put out some asking for people to join some trials. And like I say, I, I, the more people I've spoke to recently, the more it's becoming more of like a talking point and stuff. Yeah. I, the idea that you could be free of the concerns of Wilson's disease is... Um, it's very exciting. I think especially for um, parents of children with Wilson's disease. And I think when you, you're not very familiar with it, it does seem really scary. Yeah. You feel like you can't eat anything, you know, yeah. and you haven't quite adjusted mm. to the idea that the medication protects you from the copper. Yeah. Um, you know, when I was first diagnosed, man, I, my, my grandma, you know, she was very nurturing. She watched everything I ate. She was like, oh, you can't have that. And you can't have that. And you can't have, and everything on that list, let me tell you, my sister and I loved. Loved, yeah. Chocolate, prawns, fish. Yeah, all the fish, fish. But nuts. Mushrooms, like yeah, mushrooms. on the list. Yeah. We loved it. Yeah, so. same, same. <laughs> but um, yeah. I remember the first year, and the first year, especially being on medication, I was so unstable, sort of through sickness and everything like that. But I mean, uh, I reached a point where before my diagnosis, um, I was in hospital with liver failure. So I, I literally had a few days to live. And then luckily, somebody came in that um, had Wilson's disease and the, he was just there for his annual checkup. And the doctors were like, oh, let's test Annie for this. Oh, wow. So yeah, it was, a, it, was, it was a long recovery. But um, yeah, once I'd recovered and I was on the medication and it was kind of fine to eat whatever, really. Yeah. One thing that bothered me when I was trying not to eat those things because I was busy trying to get the copper out yeah. rather than prevent it from coming in. Um, well, and both prevent it from coming in. Both were, both were happening. You know, I would go order something and I'd say, does this, um, this doesn't have any chocolate in it, right? You know, it's like a dessert. And they'd say, oh, no, no, no. You know, it's like, I don't know even if it's like a coffee or something. And then yeah. it would come and they would have sprinkled chocolate on it. All over it, yeah. Yeah, I'm like, what? It says, it doesn't say chocolate in here. Oh, we just love to throw chocolate on everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, I can mm. imagine that being frustrating, yeah. yeah. A, a small small problem, right? But, yeah. it's, that <laughs> but kind the, of you know, it's still a personal problem to you, isn't it? And you're yeah. like, oh, damn it. Yeah. Oh, it's uh, brilliant. It's been great to hear your story. Uh, it's very encouraging, like I say, for, for anyone listening that maybe wants to have children or is worrying whether they can, you know, it's, it's great. Yeah, thank you. Um, I'm glad to be able to share it. I was listening to one of your episodes um, and, of course, your case, too, where, you know, these this kind of solution comes along, um, whether it's a liver be becomes available for a transplant or something. And I you know, wish that had happened for my sister. Yeah. Um, but, you know, she had a wonderful life. Yeah. She had a very full life. She made a, had a big impact on a lot of people, even at her young age. And, you know, maybe, maybe it was her time. So I'm glad for all of the yeah. people who could continue on their path. Yeah. Um, I think 
there's a lot of people doing a lot of great things to raise awareness and raise money for sort of transplant charities and you know things that facilitate transplants so hopefully as you know time goes on more and more people will get that opportunity i know that doesn't help but well i know i went right out and put the donor sticker on my driver's license so yeah um yeah. you just don't realize how important that can be for someone so you know be a donor yeah be a donor <laughs> It's an important yeah. message. It's a good message. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you very much. Uh, I'm aware that I've taken up quite a bit of your time uh, and you've got a whole day ahead of you over there. Uh, so I will say thank you and I'll let you get on with your day. All right. Thank you. It's lovely to speak to you, Caroline. It's great speaking to you too. Thanks bye for bye. having me. Bye bye.